The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, episode 561. Cool stuff found for Sunday, July 12th, 2015. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where, in a general sense, you send in your questions, we answer your questions. We share your tips. And today, as promised, we'll share cool stuff found. That is all the cool stuff that I've found, that John's found, that uh, you found very specifically. Actually, in fact, most of the show comes from you. Very, very cool stuff on deck today. Some of it's free. Yes, some of it's going to cost you a little bit of money if you want to get it. We know the cool stuff found shows are the most expensive shows you listen to and you love them anyway. That's just how it works. This episode is sponsored in part by Gazelle at gazelle.com, where you can buy and sell your old Apple equipment. We'll talk more about that shortly. Casper at uh, casper.com slash MGG, where coupon code MGG gets you 50 bucks off a uh, fantastic uh, foam mattress that we will talk about later on in the show. And TunnelBear at tunnelbear.com slash MGG. Something that started on this show is a cool stuff found a VPN for you that works so easily. We'll talk about that shortly too. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. How are we doing today, John F. Braun? We are at 101%. Well, is that you're not running too hot? Actually, right? no, about 100%. Yeah, I was running right. a bit hot last. That's last right. <laughs> Yeah, a bit too, uh, yeah, I don't know. I always get that way when I recover from uh, an illness. That's good. Kind of, an, kind of an overdrive. That's good. So yeah, I think I, I'm at just the right level, I believe. Perfect. To, to, to flow smoothly. Well, the, it's all about the flow. Hey, you know, I want to I talk about our first sponsor here, which is TunnelBear. I mentioned it in the pre-show, John. Um, TunnelBear, and they want you to visit them at TunnelBear.com slash MGG because that way they know we sent you this is we've talked a lot about VPNs on this show and tunnel bear has taken the concept of a VPN that is putting a, uh, a, a, a encrypting the pipe that you use to connect to the internet um, and more than that though and and also relocating where it is you connect from they have taken that whole process that's even hard to kind of explain and just made it super, super simple. It is literally one click on and off simple connections. So the idea behind this is you can use it for a lot of different things. If you're in, let's say you're in a, a you know, a coffee shop, it's a great example, but really anywhere, a hotel, anywhere that you're out and about and you don't manage the network yourself or don't t- necessarily have any reason to trust the people that manage the network uh, and you don't want anyone sniffing on your traffic, TunnelBear or any VPN, but really in this case, TunnelBear, what it does is it takes your connection and instead of you connecting, say, directly to your bank, which someone sniffing the network could see, you connect to TunnelBear and then via this, this, this encrypted tunnel, you connect to your bank out that way. But no one at the coffee shop monitoring your network can see that you're doing anything other than have this encrypted tunnel to TunnelBear. They can't see what the traffic is because it's end-to-end encrypted. Even if you're visiting a non-encrypted site, the, 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 the data that's sent over the tunnel is encrypted anyway. Simple, simple, simple. 
And uh, it literally is one click. And, and there's apps for iPhone, iPad, uh, Mac, of course, Windows. I believe they even have a Linux thing, although it's unsupported, but it does totally work. Um, they just they just don't have support staff for it. It also allows you to choose where the end of that tunnel is. So, you know, when I set it up and, and use it by default, I connect to a tunnel that ends here in the U.S. So it's a very quick connection and I can get out and it appears as though I'm coming from somewhere in the United States. But if I wanted to choose that I was coming from somewhere in, say, Germany, I could. And theoretically, I might even be able to stream NFL games over that, although I haven't tried that. So there's all kinds of reasons that you might want to choose where your end point is. And TunnelBear lets you do that, too. Here's the thing. TunnelBear.com slash MGG. You get a free account. Now, if you use more than I think it's 500 megs of bandwidth in a month, they, they'll cut you off. But but then, you, you, you know, you re up for the next month. But that's the best way to get started is just try it out. It, and you again, you just install an app on your Mac, your iPhone, your iPad. You just launch the app. You hit the button and you are connected. You are good to go. Uh, if you want to use more than that, of course, they've got uh, they've got various plans and uh, and you can sign up for those uh, at tunnelbear.com. And here's the thing. So they, they've got a um, uh, you've got a, a, the little plan, which is um, 500 megs of free data every month. You get a giant plan, which is six ninety nine a month or uh, it, and that's billed monthly. And uh, and then you can if you want to do it annually, it's 50 bucks a year for the grizzly plan and you save a ton of money. And then it gets you unlimited bandwidth, uh, unlimited tunneling on any five computers or mobile devices. So um, it, it's very cool. And here's the thing. When you when you sign up for TunnelBear, Tunnel Bear, all they want, they have the best privacy policy I've ever seen. They only want your first name, not your last name. Uh, they save no logs of your usage times or sessions. They do save your monthly data use because they need to know if they if they need to bill you and they save the total number of connections you've had over your lifetime of the account, but not, um, but not anything, you know, specific to any given month. No IP addresses are saved for where you come from or where you're connecting to no data about where you visited is logged. Of course, if you sign up with a credit card, they have to track you because, or they have to, they need some information about you. But if you don't want them to give them that information, they will take Bitcoin for payment. Uh, I've tested this in various places, but the best place that I tested it was actually here at the house because I have a massively fast internet connection here and I wanted to test and see how fast their connection was. And it's super fast. I was getting like 30 megs down, six, seven megs up. I mean, these are, these are screaming fast connections that you get to uh, TunnelBear. So you got to check it out, tunnelbear.com slash MGG, and that will get you a free account, 500 megs a month. Check it out, tunnelbear.com slash MGG. And with that, John, I think it's time to jump straight in to our uh, our first of our cool stuff founds. And that will be, uh, well, I'm, I was actually very happy to pick this one because it's very targeted for Mac Geekab users. Marcus writes, he said, uh, my name is Marcus and I am your show's long listener. I work as an iOS developer and would like to thank you for your wonderful podcast, which gave me inspiration and information that helped create a better user experience when developing iOS apps. And the app Highcast that I have personally worked on contains hot features for a podcast player. And in fact, it is. Um, he says, as a fan of your show, I've been spending great efforts to create enhanced content for us to listen to. And I have added that in to 
Highcast as well. This is a very cool podcast player for iOS. You got to check it out. We'll put a uh, a link in the show notes, of course. And uh, and there you go. Thank you, Marcus, for uh, for creating a, a fantastic podcast player, folks. You got to check this one out. So that's uh, that's where we start from, John. Did you check out Highcast yet, or not yet? Not yet. Okay. Well, that's that's understandable. We have a, a follow-up from a previous show. John Steve said, uh, you know, we were talking in 559 about, I mentioned that there would be a great way, it would be great if there was an iOS app to easily allow you to restart your um, Mac by, SS, you know, if it automatically SSH'd in and issued that sudo uh, shutdown dash R now command, right? Well, it looks like the, uh, what's it called? INET network scanner from banana glue will do exactly that. Now I downloaded this. I purchased it. Um, I purchased the pro version and that it seems to do it on the iPad, but I can't find the way to do it in the UI on the iPhone. Maybe I'm missing something, but thank you, Steve, for, for sending that one along. It's a, it's, it's a cool app. Even this aside, it does all kinds of great things. Do you have this, John? They have a free version and a and a pro version. I downloaded the pro to to see if I could get you know into these features. But there's also some you know some limited functionality, but cool stuff in the in the free version. Have you tried it out, man? Not yet. Not yet. All right. Well, I'm I'm okay with um. No, actually, so most of my inter machine interactions, I, I haven't gotten to a point where i've needed to do this but okay. i should get this because i know we get into the situations where your machine's dead to the world and it's like now what now what <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah um yeah yeah so it's it's good stuff all right um along these networking lines john I th- and i think this happened while i was while we were talking with listener bob uh, I, I have him credited for this but um, Bob sent us a link to something called the ICSI Netalizer. Did you um, have you? Oh, that s- sounds geeky. It is geeky, John. It's um, it's a thing. It's a it's a website at berkeley.edu. It's it it requires that you run Java in your browser, and you have to give permission to to the thing to do it, but it tests your internet connection in so many different ways and shows you a very cool, um, a very cool, you know, picture of what your network looks like both in and out. And they do save the data in an anonymous way because they're, they're also using it. It's from Berkeley, right? They're, they're using it to map, um, you know, how the internet looks and, and using this data is sort of an opt-in for that. But, um, but you got to check it out. You got to check it out. It's good stuff. It's cool stuff. That's uh, that's where we go with it. What do you got? You got something for us, John, here? I do, Dave. I'm going to tell you what I have for you here. Um, it's something from our pals at MacPaw that uh, makes several interesting pieces of Mac software. But this is something that I noticed uh, came across my desk. Well, not really. It came across my email and I thought I'd give it a shot. And I think it's something useful for our population. And it's called Encrypto. And as you can probably guess, based on the name, what does it do? It encrypts your files. 
and then you send them to friends or coworkers or whoever. Uh, and the workflow couldn't be easier. So it's using AES-256 encryption, which is uh, nobody's going to be able to crack that. Uh, but like a lot of other, there are other products, I think. The, uh, the interfaces are easy, so you, you, uh, it's free. So you can go to the App Store and get it or go to their website. Uh, it's for Mac and Windows. And you basically fire it up. You drag the file or files onto their app. It will then encrypt them. Then the next step is you can say, well, there are two next steps, which is, is cool as well. So one is you can add it to Hider, which is one of their products that we've talked about in the past. So that's, you know, kind of a, a plug for them. Yep. So you can uh, integrate with one of their other products, but then it brings up the standard uh, share dialogue that uh, OS X offers. And the default choices that I see here right now are you can mail the encrypted file. You can send it via messages. You can send it via AirDrop. And hey, of course, you can send it to Evernote. Oh, I like that. And then when the recipient gets it, um, they'll get an attachment and then they're told, okay, well, this file was, you know, encrypted within crypto and please download it so you can decrypt it. And you, uh, you know, you have to use a password, of course, and uh, you can also offer a hint uh, for the recipient. And uh, that's really about it. So it's, it's free file encryption uh, for Mac and Windows people. Cool. And, and so it requires a... Um, the, the recipient has to use the app. It's not, it doesn't create some magically self-contained thing. I mean, it couldn't. Correct. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to make that clear. All right, cool. Hey, yeah. that's awesome. Have you, have you tried this Dave? No, I haven't. <laughs> just, just thought I'd ask. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a valid question. Yeah. No, I found out about it this morning when, uh, when I saw you put it on the agenda, it's good stuff, man. All right, uh, moving to Chuck. Chuck sent us a note, and he said, I think it was episode 557, a user was looking for an app to launch Apple scripts or automator actions when certain emails come in. There is an app called Actuator, and uh, he says Actuator does exactly that. It seems that it's not just tied to Apple's mail app. I think you can point it at any email account. Chuck continues, you basically tell it what script you want to run based on specifically worded or specially worded emails. It would be more useful if you could tell it to always run script X when receiving an email with the word, you know, say mom in it, for example. But still, it's pretty cool. Sweet. Thanks, Chuck. That's uh, that is good stuff. I like it. I like it. I like it. I love Apple script, John. Oh, we all, well, usually we love it, but sometimes we hate it, which I think is a great, <laughs> well, we hate its deficiencies. And I think that leads into an adventure. Actually, you and I both went on, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you, uh, well, yeah, on this one, yeah. I, 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 I was trying to, we, we had, uh, so you had a Apple script question. I did some dabbling and, and poked around and found some, some ways to solve your issue. And then we actually had, um, one of our Twitter pals, uh, who was like a, Apple script guru at Apple. No less. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as I can tell it was, yeah. Or at least he's in Cupertino. So I assume it's, it's uh, someone that works at Apple who Ben Ben works at Apple Apple now. Yeah. 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 Oh, he does. Okay. There's no question. Yeah. So what John is, is dancing around here is a great tool called script debugger for Apple script. I did. I was, I was creating an Apple script, having some trouble with 
seeing what was stored in a variable at a certain time. And, and the Apple script has no, you know, IDE, I guess is the right term for it. Interactive development environment. Is that what, is that what we're supposed to call it? Right. Uh, uh, I, right. Their tools are very, yeah. The script editor I think is, is their tool, which is not an IDE really. It's, no, it's an editor. It's just an editor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so script debugger from uh, late night software is uh, exactly the tool that we all need. Um, and, and it did, it totally, you can download a, a demo. Uh, if you continue to use it, of course they, they'll want you to buy it, which totally makes sense. But, um, but man, it, it allowed me instant visibility into exactly what was going on in my script. And that actually along with some other help from, from uh, Ben on Twitter, um, really really helped me solve things but yeah being able to see you know what a variable is set to mid script and and being able to pull that information out and i think i don't think i'm well i do think but i'm i'm 99% certain that script debugger is just more apple script running around apple script is is what i think it does and it it's able to pull this data out and and let your script run and uh, i found it immensely valuable and and quite flawless in its ability to do what I needed it to do. So you got to check this out. If you're doing anything with Apple script, script debugger is in fact a mandatory thing to check out. So thanks for, uh, thanks for recommending that. Ben. this is good stuff. All right. Uh, Steve writes in and says there is a free music editor called Muse score that, supports pdfs and we were talking about various things i think it might have been a post-show conversation but it might have been in the middle of the show and uh and it allows you to create and uh and and print sheet music so that's uh that's muse score it's got a you know you can create create sheet music which uh which is totally helpful and in fact i think they have some drummer stuff in here which is you know important to Drummers like me that actually know how to read and, and chart out drum parts. So thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing that up, Steve. Good stuff. What do we got, John? What do we got? <clears throat> In the crypto realm, let's, let's continue down that path because we want you to protect your data. And this is, um, yeah, I don't think it ever made it to the show. Someone did have a question um, that was based on something that I had recommended in the past um and it's a project that now has been that has been discontinued called TrueCrypt. TrueCrypt is a or was a cross-platform uh full disk encryption product but for whatever reason they uh, decided to abandon development on it which makes lots of people sad but then what makes me happy, Dave, is that I, you know, when someone asks me, well, you know, can I still use TrueCrypt? And I guess you can if you can find it, though, though I'd be concerned because, again, it's not under active development. But a group of people have decided to take it because it's open source, basically took it and revived it and are now actively maintaining it. And it's now called VeraCrypt. Huh. I mean, uh, all uh, from what I could see, you know, I downloaded it started it up and it gave me the same exact because it's the same code base the same exact dialogues um that you got in TrueCrypt. so i would gather it has you know the exact same functionality as as the prior product so just to keep people up to date 
Veracrypt. If you uh, if you miss TrueCrypt and want something that's current, Veracrypt. Huh. Pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, but is there as a Mac user? I, I totally get why you would use this on a potentially use this on other platforms. But as a, a Mac user, is there a compelling reason to use Veracrypt over the built-in, always supported by the OS? And yes, I'm editorializing my question here. File Vault Two. Um, no. Okay. No, I would say the, the, no. The, 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 so the, the yeah, the, as as you're kind of leading up to the the void it fills is that if you need cross-platform, right? Oh. Uh, because it's available for multiple platforms. So, so I would say that's the an, value. If I had of an it. external drive, for example, that would be the benefit of using TrueCrypt. Is it? It could then be uh, decrypted on multiple platforms. Right. So depending on how you set it up, and I think yeah. So so if you set it up to be a secure container rather than full disk, then yeah. that secure container, if you run TrueCrypt on the other platform, will be uh, usable on the other platforms that are supported by it. So Got it. I hope that answers your question. So if, if you need cross-platform encryption, yeah, a full disk or container encryption, uh, that th- this is why you would use that. Otherwise, yeah, if you're just sticking to your Mac, then yeah, uh, use File Vault. <laughs> Got it. Sweet. All right. Um, I want to talk about our second sponsor here, John, which is Casper. Casper are, well, they make and sell mattresses. And, and here's the thing. They, they want you to visit casper.com slash MGG. And I'll tell you why uh, in a minute. So having a good mattress to sleep on is obviously really important. But it, th- there's a couple of things that were very broken with the process of going to buy uh, a mattress. First of all, going somewhere other than your home to test out a mattress is sort of insane when you stop to think about it. And the people at Casper agreed, you know, spending five minutes laying on uh, a mattress in a store to find out if you like it is weird because you're doing it in your street clothes. You probably still have your shoes on and it's bright lights and with some sales rep, you know, fluttering about and kids running all over the place, you know, because they're there with their parents who are also shopping and so not paying attention. They probably go over to the ice cream counter and eat ice cream while, you know, and then get hyped up. And so you probably don't want to test out your mattress with ice cream hyped kids running all around you. And the people at Casper knew this. So they created a not only do they have excellent mattresses, but they have a much better business model. And the way it works is this. You go to casper.com slash MGG, and then that will tell you to use the MGG coupon code on your way out to save 50 bucks. But here's the thing. These mattresses start. You don't even need to save the 50 bucks to get a savings out of this deal. You go online, you pick what size mattress you want, and you order it and have it shipped to your house for free. And, when it arrives, it comes in this great box. It's all rolled up inside the box. And the, the, uh, the opening, the process of, of opening this box is brilliant. You know, first you just open the box and then you kind of pull out this mattress that's still rolled up in a, in a sleeve. And it comes with a little uh, envelope that gives you some instructions. But the instructions are really simple. They tell you to take this letter opener, put it at the dot on this sleeve and run it across. And by putting it at the dot, you're not going to rip the mattress. You're just ripping open the sleeve. And then the thing pops out. If you need to, 
you could be you, you within 90 seconds of starting to open the box. You could be laying on this mattress and falling asleep. Now, I don't know how many of us could fall asleep after opening a mattress box, but uh, but if you could, the mattress will be ready for you to do so. So you lay down and you get to test this mattress for a hundred nights, not five minutes in the store, a hundred nights. And if you don't like it in those first hundred nights, you don't get to pick the hundred nights. They've already picked them. It's the first hundred. But if you don't like it in that first hundred nights, you call them up and tell them, I don't like it. It's just not for me. And they take it from you with no charge to you. There's no charge at all. You get all your money back and you don't pay anything if you don't like the mattress. But these are memory foam mattresses. You're going to love them. Uh, and, and they're not just memory foam. They're this new breed of memory foam that has memory foam in the middle and then a latex foam around the outside. And there's a reason for this. Anybody that slept on the original kind of memory foam mattresses found that, yes, they do contour to your body and hold you up and make you really sweaty. And that's because memory foam traps the heat. Well, that's why Casper puts this layer of latex foam around it, because it doesn't trap the heat. The latex disperses the heat, so it keeps you cool and comfortable. These mattresses are killer. We've got one here at the house. It's awesome. And they're made right here in America. But here's the thing. You know, if you want, you want a king sized mattress, right? Because that's, that's going to be the most expensive one, right? A king size mattress is uh, 950 bucks minus 50 bucks. So 900 bucks shipped for free to you for a king size mattress, like super quality memory foam. That's the most expensive mattress you're going to buy, right? Well, it's not, though, because you could go to that showroom with the ice cream laden kids running all around you and pay maybe about twelve to fifteen hundred for the same type of mattress at this store. So you're saving money. You don't have to go to the store. It's delivered right to your house. You don't have to worry about fitting the thing in your car or anything. You just set it up and you're done. Saves the headache. Really, really comfortable mattress. Really like insanely fair prices. And. 100-day returns. Casper.com slash MGG is where you start. And then coupon code MGG gets you your 50 bucks off. You're going to love it. And you're going to get a great night, great night's sleep. Casper.com slash MGG. All right, John. Listener Jason got uh, very... Well, listener Jason is... He's, he's always the, uh, the one who's constantly submitting great cool stuff found to us, mostly on Twitter. But, um, but Jason... It did a, a fantastic job this week with the show. And uh, O-Drive is the first of the wonderful things that Jason suggested to us. O-Drive, he says, or they say, is the new way to manage all of your files. Instead of fussing with multiple cloud storage applications, use O-Drive to combine and access everything in one place. And of course, they let you sign up for free. And it's one login for everything. It, it, they've got a great, I mean, they've got Dropbox and uh, FTP, Google Drive, Instagram, Microsoft's OneDrive, all kinds of things. And uh, he says it's actually pretty cool. Did you check this one out, John? Oh, Instagram. Okay. Because, um, you know, this looks very similar to something that, that I have looked at. Okay. So now that I see the difference here, I may want to look at these guys. But uh, remember Expand Drive? Yes, I do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
This looks very similar, though the difference I can already see is that they, it appears that they offer a couple of a uh, couple of more services. Yeah, including Instagram. That's uh, that's as far as I know, Expand Drive does not or did not. Right. Well, I'm looking at it right now. So right. It's pretty good stuff, man. Pretty good stuff. All right. Uh, and then another one from Jason. We've got three in a row from Jason here. Another one from Jason. PicJoy uh, is an automatic photo organizer, John. So this is yet another one for folks like you and me who like to um, like to, well, manage pictures. It's an intelligent photo library that automatically organizes all of your photos and helps you find them instantly. So this looks at the photo library on your um, uh, on your on your phone. Right now, it connects to iCloud photo library uh, or your camera roll on the phone or both, which is sort of one and the same if you're running iCloud photo library. But if not, they say that Dropbox, Google and Amazon photos are coming very, very soon. And you can search your photos by visual clues and uh and like time, location, events, weather, people customize the way your photos are organized. I actually, I messed with this a little bit after Jason uh, sent it along and it's interesting. It takes a little time. It goes through and, um, and, and, you know, indexes or does whatever it's going to do with your photos. And then, and then actually sends you, sends you a little location, the location sends you a little notification and then you can search for things like, you know, uh, the weather was cloudy and it gives you little suggestions of these and then boom, you know, it brings up pictures where the weather was cloudy. It's pretty cool. So something fun to try out. It's free. So thanks Jason. Good stuff. Yeah. One more from Jason, John moving a little bit in a, in a little bit different direction is BitTorrent shoot. So the idea is, you know, the folks at BitTorrent are great. We love them. And I love BitTorrent sync. Um, it, it's the way I manage all of my files nowadays. But BitTorrent Shoot is uh, built to send photos or videos directly from device to device. Um, all peer-to-peer. It's not going to send over, uh, you know, it's not going to send up to the cloud and back. So you get really high speed, whatever the speed of your, you know, your local uh, wireless is. And you can just bounce files around you can you can send uh three times for free and then they want you to pay but it's like two bucks to unlock the the app so it's worth it's totally worth checking out and uh and i highly recommend it i have i i i I tested it here and it does it just blasts things really really fast the nice part is of course you could use um uh, uh airdrop to do this between ios devices you know if airdrop decides to work and and exposed, you know, <laughs> which it's when it does, it's awesome. I mean, it's super fast, but if it doesn't, uh, or if you need to send photos between say an iPhone and an Android phone or, you know, somebody else on another device that doesn't support airdrop, then you've got BitTorrent shoot. So it's super fast. Um, and it, you know, it's fun. It's what we do, Right. Shoot. That's what they say. All right, John. Uh, you know, we've had, um, we've had quite I'm afraid. a afraid. Are you afraid? We're going to head into the terminal, John. You shouldn't That's be why afraid. I'm afraid. No, I'm, I'm kidding. You no. shouldn't be afraid of the terminal. The terminal is a wonderful place it, to be. 
It is. And, uh, and so we had quite a few as we were kind of leading up to prepping this uh, cool stuff found here, uh, quite a few terminal commands. And so uh, I wanted to I coalesce them all together and we'll start with Alex, uh, Alex over on Facebook and we'll link to our Facebook group. Uh, said uh, he was having geeky fun with the airport command. He says, I just discovered this little thing. So I thought I'd share. And he, he gives the link to where this command is. And it is literally called airport, but it's not part of your normal path. So if you just go to the terminal and type airport, it's not going to work, but he explains where to find it. It's in the system library, private frameworks folder, but it's okay. And you can create a symbolic link to it. If you want to put it in like user S bin or something to make it easy. Um, and then you can run airport at the terminal and uh, you get a little help file and, and you can pull up a man page on airport. Uh, but he says that's very vacant. The help file is better. But if you do, you know, airport dash I capital I, it prints all the current wireless status like you get when you when you hit the uh, the magic little uh, uh, when you hit the actually. And this is another tip. If you hit the airport menu in the, at the top of the screen and hold down the option key when you hit it. You, you start to see some really uh, interesting information and the airport command will show you that it'll show you all kinds of other stuff. So it's just a fun little command to run. And, um, and thanks to Alex for pointing us in this direction. It's fun stuff, John. Did you mess around with this one yet? Uh, not really since I get, yeah, most of, most of the stuff that I need to know, I, I get by what you just mentioned, which is holding down the option key. Yep. Yeah. It can do. It's it. kind of weird though, because yeah, as you pointed out, because yeah, I, I typed airport and I'm like, oh, where is it? Yeah, so it's buried deep within the system, and then yeah, the man page is is kind of hilarious, and then it basically says, yeah, could somebody put something here, please? <laughs> right, right. Well, that's how it works, you know. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good, but it's yeah, it makes it. Um, I love finding th- terminal commands like this, you know. All right, and let's see where is where are we next. I think I'm finding a flow to how to do these, uh, these show notes. Oh, this one's great. So Ben told us about a terminal command called caffeinate. And, uh, and this is awesome, John, you know, and it it was, uh, actually, in fact, let me, let me find Ben's note here because I think he actually wrote us a note if I can find it. Yeah, he did. He said, uh, I heard your question about trying to keep a Mac awake to complete a disk image slash clone while in recovery mode in Mac Geek 559. John mentioned adjusting PM set in the terminal, but have you also tried using the terminal command? Yes. Caffeinate, which does exactly what the caffeine menu bar app does, but from the command line. And uh, Brett Terpstra, uh, who's a great guy and, um, and, and a really smart guy, wrote a blog post about it, which we'll totally link to because it explains this command. But it's worth just trying. And here's how it works because I've, I've actually got it running at the moment on my wife's computer. I know I mentioned in the last show that I was going to migrate her to iCloud photo or to uh, photos without using iCloud photo library. And, um, and then I, I did, I moved her, her photo data to our NAS drive once I did the conversion and that worked fine. We'll talk more about all of this when, when the whole process is done. But right now I've got the Flickr auto uploader on her Mac uploading all of her pictures. Now she had 29,000 pictures to, to upload. So this is taking a couple of days. And I noticed every time I went to check on it, that the number wasn't really moving. And it was because of course her Mac was falling asleep. And then I started prepping this show and I found this command called caffeinate. And so you can use it a couple different ways. Um, 
the if you just type caffeinate, what happens is the terminal just sits there as though nothing has happened. You don't get a prompt back or anything, but that's caffeinate doing its job while it's running. Your computer won't go to sleep. The, the display by default, this just prevents idle sleep. So the display will go to sleep. Um, discs will spin down if they're supposed to, but um, but your Mac will not fall asleep. And and so it's just running. And then if when I'm finished, I could do control C and it would quit caffeinate and therefore let my Mac then go back to its normal thing. And this way I don't have to mess around with PM set or energy saver settings that I forget to set back. Right. This is the handy part about caffeinate and uh, and it works great. But you can also set things like watch this process. Right. So you can point it at a process ID and say, you know, caffeinate until this process quits, which is actually kind of cool if you've got a job running or something. I know I'll, I'll use this. In fact, I'll use it as a matter of course with, um, you know, when I'm doing handbrake conversions and things like that. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's very, very cool. And you can have it do display sleep. You can have it wake up the display on a remote Mac and all this other stuff. So yeah, caffeinate and it's from Apple. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's on everybody's computer. If, uh, if, uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know what OS it came with, to be honest with you. Maybe, maybe it's not on everybody's computer, but it's certainly on Yosemite machines. So there you go. Yeah. The hardest part about it is that. What, go ahead. Sorry, John. Yeah. Well, so, so to add two things. So, so yeah, the comment was how do, how do I prevent sleep and recovery? And, and two things come to mind. So number one, I ran into the same thing you did. Well, actually I ran into a number of things. So one, keep in mind that if, if you want to know what the switches are or the options for the caffeinate command, um, recovery, because I tried this, uh, recovery doesn't have man pages, which I guess I don't blame it because sure. it takes up space. Recovery is a very minimal OS X installation because I did man caffeinate. And then, yeah, I ran into the same thing you did is I typed caffeine and I was like, uh, now what? <laughs> <laughs> but that's normal operating procedures. And if you, if you just type in the command itself and hit return, it's doing exactly what it's meant to do. But what concerns me, Dave, is that the, the way sleep works, um, everything I read about sleep bothers me because sleep says, I'm going to sleep if your system is inactive. And it's funny because what you mentioned and what our listener ran into, you know, they said, yeah, I'm creating a disc image. I don't consider creating a disc image or actively uploading photo content um, an inactive system. Did you see where I'm going with this? I, I, I don't do. know why the system is sleeping. Uh, how, how does Apple define? Right. What is their definition of inactive? Because to me, those are, act, you know, your system's actively doing some work. So what is their threshold for de determining when a system is inactive and you know, with the, deciding I, to put it to sleep? With the I don't flicker, know. With the flicker uploader thing, I get it, right? Because this is a background process. In fact, I would sort of be upset mm -hmm. if, it, if it didn't let the system sleep because it, there could be some, you know what I mean? We've, we've seen it where it's like, Oh, why isn't this app letting it sleep? You know, it's, it's the background, but, but you're right. It, I mean, a, creating a disc image, is that a background? You know, I, maybe it is, maybe it is the kind of thing that you'd put in the background, but you'd want it to finish. But anyway, yeah, caffeinate will, caffeinate will solve it. But I, I, I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know. Well, actually we may have some answers here. I'm looking in our chat room here. Where's our chat room, you may ask, Dave? Where is our chat room, John? Oh, well, I, I think if you go to macgeekgab.com slash stream, 
uh, you can access both our uh, live audio stream and our chat room. And, and I believe uh, our friend Alex in the chat room actually pointed out a number of uh, commands that I guess if you whip out the manual page form, you may learn a bit more. So, he's, so he mentions AppSleepD. That sounds like a daemon that handles AppSleep, so yep. that may be good to read up on. And then he also points to, yes, caffeinate and also sleep, of course. So, uh, yeah, I guess we should read up on those. And, uh, and he even linked to a developer note that talks about inactive, <laughs> oh, <laughs> what nice. inactivity is. Yeah. All right, so we got to read up on that. But, yeah, I'm still going to wag my finger at Apple because. Yeah, Same. Inactive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, well, it's or do we do? Well, in this case, it would be Apple either way. But do we wave our finger at the developers for not? which is Apple, of course, when you're creating a disc image for, for, for not setting the, you know, inactive flag, what, whatever that is, um, properly. Right. Okay. I, I don't know. Well, he's talking about a different type of inactive. He's talking oh, okay. about inactive memory. Yeah, oh, okay. Whereas I'm talking about, uh, how do you define inactivity in the sense of, you know, what your system is doing and should. Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. To sleep. Right. Okay. Right. I don't know. It's good stuff, though. Yeah. yeah. Right, moving on. Moving. Well, we need. I need a minute before we move on here, John, because I was fixing the uh, the show notes here, but uh, doing actually doing your work for you, so it's all good. But anyway, uh, here we go, and it is time to get back to the terminal. Devin has a fantastic thing, I'm certain, and if I get there, I'll tell you about it. Uh, Devin says, I've been looking for a way to get a complete, complete list of applications on my Mac for years. Every couple of years, I end up doing a nuke and pave, and I like to do a fresh install of apps. However, I always found it to be a hassle to reference my old drive and remember everything I had previously installed, which sometimes doesn't show in the applications folder, i.e. menu bar items, etc. He said, uh, life hacker delivered with an article that, uh, that shows how to run a terminal command. It's a very simple command to run and you get a, a complete list of the application of the applications, uh, including all the menu bar applications and all of that stuff in text form. And of course we'll link to this life hacker article. It's a, it's a find command. And essentially what it's doing is scouring your entire hard drive for, for files that end in dot a P P which is how applications are registered on the Mac. Uh, applications are not actually single files. Uh, they are when you run them at the terminal, but when you run an application, say from the finder, it is uh, most typically a, a bundle and it's a bundle that ends in dot a P P. So that's the, uh, that's the magic there. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Cause that's how we work. All right. Uh, so thank you. That's good stuff. Did you check that one out, John? No. Okay, cool. Uh, for further reading on the terminal, uh, Kurt tips us to Craig Hockenberry's article, which I can't seem to find in here. Oh, there it is. And, and never mind. Uh, Craig Hockenberry, who is the, well, he's an icon factory developer, right? And a very outspoken and very smart guy. And he um, wrote a great piece kind of capturing all that it is about the terminal. And so we'll put that in the show notes and 
and just kind of a, a real great overview of the terminal. It gets, it gets pretty geeky at times, but, uh, but if you go through it all, it'll probably, it's probably one of those articles that if you just read it straight through, it'd take you about 10 minutes. Uh, if you read it with, uh, the an eye on you know interacting with it you could probably spend an hour with this article and i recommend you do the latter it's a um, it's a fantastic uh, piece here that that really walks you through uh, you know all the kind of all the nuances of how to use the terminal so we will link to that too john because that's how we roll here what uh you got anything for us in in the terminal realm here? I think you do. Uh this actually is not the terminal. Though okay. I suppose you could do this in the terminal. Sure. It's, it's a GUI based application. And I thought I'd mention it because I actually so when I was doing the uh so when I got this new switch mind Dave and as you recall there was um a, a Java or Windows which turned out to be a Java utility. And it does something kind of bizarre if you run it on a Mac in the, it, it won't necessarily run. You have to fiddle around with uh, redirecting packets and stuff like that. And so it led me to a point where I'm like, how do I send traffic on my network to kind of test whether I've set this up right? Well, wouldn't it be great if there was a utility that would allow you to create a TCP IP or UDP, I guess, uh, packet from scratch with either hex or alphanumeric data and give an address of a device to send it to and hit a button and it sends it. Wouldn't that be great if somebody made something like that? Well, somebody does make something like that. And it's not surprisingly called Packet Sender. Oh, nice. At PacketSender.com. And it's available for Windows, Mac, and Linux. And it does exactly... Uh, what it needs to and actually what i see here oh i guess there is a terminal aspect so apparently it uh it so it offers a gui version which i think most people is probably what you want to do yeah sure of course <laughs> but if you want but but it says that, but i'm looking here i i had not actually tried it but it says here command line screenshot and that i guess it offers a command line version as well if uh if you decide that's what you want to do sure so. uh-huh nice man very cool all right. I want to take a minute here, John, before we move away from the terminal. And, uh, and I want to talk about our third and final sponsor for this show, which is Gazelle at gazelle.com. Gazelle, something I've used countless times. It's a service. They started as a service and they still do this where you use Gazelle to send you send your stuff to them. Uh, and they send you money. It's it's basically that simple, right? If you have like an old iPhone, an old MacBook, uh, an old iPad, something that you maybe you want to, you know, upgrade to the a newer version, but you want to turn what you have into some cash. Gazelle's the place to do it. You visit gazelle.com and you click on the sell smart, i.e. trade in for cash link. And from there, you tell them what you have. And, uh, you know, you... You kind of go through the process. They'll even take old iPods, right? So you got that old iPod classic and you can turn that into money. So you tell them, all right, yeah, I got an iPod classic. It's sixth gen. Uh, it's the 160 gig version, you know, and it's in, uh, it's in working condition. They ask you what condition things are in. And, um, and then they'll ask you questions like, does it have a charger? Or does it have engraving or personalization? And then boom, 
you can turn it into some money. And, uh, you know, for a really old Apple iPod classic, they're going to give me 40 bucks. Here's the thing. Uh, they haven't even asked for my name yet. I literally did this while I've been doing this spot here, right? It, it's that simple. And, uh, and now it's like, I click the get paid link. Now they asked me for my name. They haven't asked me for any information for me yet, other than what I have, what I want to give them. And so I give them my name and I give them my address and they ship me a box. And then I'll put the iPod classic into the box and I'll ship it back to them. And uh, they'll evaluate it and make sure that there's an iPod classic in the box and that it's either working or not working. Whatever I chose, I chose working when I went through this. And, uh, and then they send me a check or if I want an extra 5%, they'll send me the money on Amazon and it's great. Or they'll send it to you via PayPal if you want. And that's how it is. It just works really, really simple. And they're good folks there. I have never, uh, in my experience with them, had them. Well, actually this is not, I was going to say, I've never had them disagree with my assessment of an item. Uh, but that is not true. There was one time I sent in, it was an old iPod and I sent it to him and I chose, you know, it was like uh, fair, good and great. And I chose good. And, you know, I got a quote for whatever that was. And when they got it, they said, Hey, you know, this is in better shape than, than you said, we're going to upgrade you to uh, best. And I got a little bit more money out of it. And of course, when they change their mind on something like that, they ask you, are you okay with this? Or do you want to take it back? Uh, even though there was going to be more money, they, they said, you know, they gave me the choice. And of course I said, well, yeah, I'll take the money. And, uh, and I took it as Amazon bucks and I spent the money on Amazon. It was all fantastic. So uh, it really, really works well. And now they have a buy smart program when they get some of those things in that do qualify as best, they'll refurb them and, and really check them out and make sure it's all okay. And then sell them back to you. So you got to check this out. You want to talk about cool stuff found, man, this is where to do it. And you can get some really good deals, um, both selling and buying. And it's just super simple. It makes it really, really easy. So you got to check them out. Gazelle.com. When you're going through the checkout process, choose the Mac Geek Gab from the Where Did You Hear From This the link. Uh, they appreciate that. And so do we. Thanks very much, Gazelle. All right, John. I have had uh, the opportunity to check out uh, Seagate's new Backup Plus drive. This is... Um, so I've checked out their backup plus fast in the past, and that is a four terabyte drive, which this one is as well. Uh, but that's a, it's got two drives in the enclosure. The, the backup plus fast does. And that obviously makes it faster, but it makes it so that it requires double USB power. And you've got to use a USB Y cable to, to make it work. Well, the Seagate backup plus drive is four terabytes and it's just one drive. So it just requires single USB cable bus power. I tested it on USB three because that's what it supports. Uh, as I said, it's a four terabyte drive. I was getting 135 megabytes a second reads and writes. Uh, that's faster than they expected it to get. In fact, they asked me, did we send you the wrong drive? And I said, no, no, I've got them both. Um, and it, it actually works really well. Now I repartitioned it because I, I got a copy before the, the Mac drivers were fully included on there. So I just repartitioned the, the thing and that may have helped, you know, I repartitioned it as an HFS plus journals drive, just normal, you know, thing. And that, and that may have helped, but, uh, but this thing's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with it. It's uh, like I said, totally bus powered, totally easy to use. And, um, and, and, you know, four terabytes, man. And it's like, you know, 140 bucks MSRP. 
So I think, am I looking at the right one on their website here? I think I am. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. For four terabytes. Huh? Uh, backup plus slim. Sorry. Backup plus slim. No, that's it. Backup plus. Yeah. Four terabytes. Yeah. That's it. That's hmm. it. Yeah. I like it. It's outstanding. So I think that's it. Maybe, maybe it's not on their website, the website. Yes. Yet. Cause I'm not seeing no. Huh? I don't know that I have pricing on this yet, John. It might be, it might be so new that I don't have backup plus slim. Yeah. They only have the two. Well, it's, but see, this isn't the backup plus slim. This is just the backup plus. I think that's it. I think it's 140 bucks, man. It's great, but it's like wallet sized. I mean, it's totally portable and, uh, and four terabytes and screaming fast. So nice little handy, you know, bus powered thing to have to run around with. I, was impressed. Very impressed, in fact. We talked about the Backup Plus Fast, um, and Max sent in a note about the, um, the Seagate Backup Plus Portable Thunderbolt Adapter that he found, which is a super handy thing uh, for anyone that wants to take one of these drives and plug it in to a Thunderbolt port. So we'll put a link to that. Um, in the in the show notes thanks for sending that in max good stuff bob along the uh kind of along the same lines bob has the uh, linked us to the western digital four terabyte drive i'm trying to think of he, he just sent us oh you know what it's because he sent us an email with it but um but I th- he didn't say much about it in the email so i'll just riff on it here the my passport pro which uh, which he has used. I have not, but uh, but Bob has used. So in the same vein, it's a it's a portable uh, four terabyte drive, which is you know a handy thing to be able to kind of run around with. I don't know if the it looks like this is just a one cable thing. Oh, this is a Thunderbolt thing. That's why. Yeah. So the My Passport Pro Thunderbolt. At least based on what I'm seeing here, John. Huh. Four terabyte. That's old news, man. Well, you remember we were just at the show in. Uh... Yeah, Manhattan. and I think the, the, the new hotness is now a uh, six terabyte drives, right? Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or at least that's what WD was displaying full size. Full. I was going to say full size. Yeah. These are the, these are, these are smaller portable things, but you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Well, and there's eight terabyte drives out too, right? Um, Crazy. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's, it, you know, but, but you're right. The, the sweet spot price wise, I think is now the, the, either the five or the six terabyte drive for, for desktop drives, like for, you know, full size like you said i guess is the is the right way to the way way to right way to present it well, i don't know it's just crazy how uh how you can carry around four terabytes with you and have it be pretty fast so see this is where this is where it it's great that we're that people are still iterating on the on the spindle drive because uh because that's important right you know that that we have this massive amounts of storage you run the ssd as your boot drive and you're kind of your main your daily driver so to speak and then you have a nice spindle drive to have gobs and gobs of data so um, i'm stoked about this it's good stuff hey speaking of iteration on the spindle drive have you seen the seagate 7 um this is for 100 bucks it's a 500 gig drive but 
uh, it is, they call it the Seagate seven because the entire thing, it's an external drive, seven millimeters thick or seven oh, millimeters thin. Oh, perhaps horrible. It's awesome. I mean, it's just really, really <clears throat> tiny and it's a hundred bucks for a 500 gig drive for a half a terabyte. But just, I mean, super, super slim and obviously lightweight. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a steel enclosure so that it dissipates heat and, you know, all that good stuff. But, uh, it's just amazing seeing seven millimeters. Wow. I'd I'd be afraid of sitting on it and breaking it. Um, (laughs) I I have not tried. You said it's steel, so I'm sure it's, uh, as tough as it can be for that size. Yeah. I have not tried it. Uh, sitting on it. I've tried the drive. In fact, I'm looking for my notes here. I can't find them. I, I know I, I know I speed tested this thing, John. Um, and I remember being impressed, but I don't seem to have the speeds in front of me. My sincere apologies. I can't believe that. Where are they? Ah, dang it. Uh, anyway, uh, but I did not try sitting on it, but it's, I mean, it's really, it's a steel case. So I, I feel like I could sit on this thing. I certainly, would not have any hesitation of just throwing it into my, my bag and, you know, throwing that all over the place. So, I mean, I, I don't think it, I don't think it's going to bend without a lot of work. I mean, it's not only is it a hard drive inside, but it's, you know, a steel cage around the thing. So yeah, I think you'd be all right. It's fun. You know, again, cool to see the iteration on the, uh, on the, on the uh, stuff. What am I saying here? I don't know. You got something to say, John? I do, Dave. So, after going to uh, CE Week, um, I ran into a number of vendors, uh, and some of them wanted to send me goodies to check out. Well, I'm going to tell you about some that I actually did check out, and I, you know, received an actual. You know, so this isn't just hearsay. This is sure. uh, actually my using them in a short period of time. So I'm going to give you a mini review here. Great. So here's one that. Uh, differentiates itself from the competition here that I thought was uh, pretty slick. So it's the Leaf, L-E-E-F, iBridge mobile memory. Uh, it has two connectors on it. Uh, there's a USB connector and a lightning connector. Um, and it's similar to a product that I talked about in the past, the uh, SanDisk uh, iExpand, uh, I believe, was the, uh, the other product. And, and they do similar things, but I'm going to tell you what's unique about this. So one, the design of it. Uh, I think I like the design of this uh, a, a little better than, than the competition. The competition, you have to raise up the lightning connector. And to me, that just seemed, I mean, it works, but, but it concerned me at first. It's like, because you're kind of bending something and I, the, oh, I haven't broken it or anything. So, but, but this one is actually a, a curved um, uh, design here. So, so I kind of like that. Now, the thing it does the same is that it will allow you, so as the name implies, uh, it's mobile memory that lets you offset your media for your, uh, you know, f- from your, for your iOS device. Okay. And then play it. Uh, and it has capacities ranging from 16 gigabytes, which uh, the retail on that is $59.99, up to 256 gigabytes, uh, $399.99. Um, so it'll hold media, you know, so music, uh, music, uh, video. So that's the same as, as the, you know, similar products is that it lets you bring that stuff. And of course you, uh, you know, when you run it on iOS, you run their app and it'll prompt you for that. 
That actually brings me up to something interesting, Dave, that I noticed about iOS, and then I'll get back on topic here. I've noticed that iOS as of late um, will now bring up a generalized dialogue. So when I put this thing in, it'll say, oh, app, uh, it, it says, oh, iBridge app would like to talk to iBridge device. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember being asked that before. So I think they've added, since I've last used this type of device, a, a, a layer of security to iOS. And then it's prompting you. It's basically yeah. saying, hey, do you want this software to talk to this hardware that you just stuck into me? And you can say allow or, or no. Um, but back to what this product does. So the, the, the two unique things about this product, though, which I think is really neat. So it lets you shuttle files back and forth between USB and iOS devices. That's, that's neat. And play your media. What makes this unique, uh, Dave, is that it has what they call an iBridge camera. So you plug it in. You can take pictures, but when you're taking a picture, it doesn't put it in your camera roll. It stores it on this device, which I haven't seen anybody else figure out how to do that. So that's pretty neat. <laughs> so if you're running low, so, so if you want to take pictures with your iOS device, but you're running low, uh, your camera roll is almost clogged. Well, this, it, 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 it saves it directly to this device. That's kind of neat. Huh. Then the other thing it does is it does a, a pass-through. So when you plug this in, so the other device had a battery, so it wouldn't be consuming power on it. This has a, a slightly different approach. So when you plug it into your iOS device, if you then plug the USB portion into a battery, it does a charging pass-through. So that's neat, too. So it passes through an external battery uh, with a USB connection and charges your phone while you're using it. So... Pretty cool. That's all I got to say about that. So pretty, pretty slick. Um, so it's, it's, it's different from there's two or three, uh, two other devices I know out there that do do something similar here. So, uh, but I think they've, you know, defined their own uh, niche here as far as the, uh, the features that they offer. Huh? All right. Yeah, I like it. That's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Definitely for people that didn't make the right choice when they, uh, when they bought their iOS device and didn't get enough memory. Right. Um, well, yeah, kind I mean, yeah, yeah, it's right. Right. Very cool. Very cool. What else we got? And then the second one, which I, I've been trying out, and I think this is pretty cool too, Dave. So it's called AirTame. Okay. And I'll tell you what's, uh, what it has, and then you'll kind of figure out what it does. So okay. one end of it is an HDMI connector. And the other end of it that you really can't see is Wi-Fi radios, both 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz. There's also a connector, there's also a connector for power because you do have to power it. So they, okay. they give you a, a little power plug. But it's basically a, I, if, I, if I had to summarize what it is, if you're familiar with the Mac, it's, pretty much like airplay but it's not airplay it's their own product right so the nice part about it is that so number one so hdmi of course plugs into so i plugged it into my hdtv sure um and then you have to download a piece of software so the nice thing here so, so you may ask well why would i get this versus yeah. airplay well yeah, the thing yeah. is is that this runs on multiple platforms right so the software runs on mac on windows on iOS, on Android, and I think Linux as well, and even Windows Phone. Uh, 
And their market is basically, well, what if, it, so I could see a number of, of people that would want to use this. So one, if you are in an enterprise situation and you just don't want to be fiddling with cables and you yeah. know, ripping your hair out trying to get a projector to work, I found that this is really, uh, really cool for that. Um, you can address it in a number of ways. So the one way is when you set it up, and the setup is really cool too. Um, but you can set it up a number of ways. So one, you can either take this device and bond it to your Wi-Fi network, and then anybody else that is on that Wi-Fi network can then access it. Huh, cool. Or you can connect to it. So if you want maximum throughput, especially if you're doing you know HD video and stuff like that, then you may want to just connect directly to the device itself. And again, it can do either 2.4 gigahertz or 5 gigahertz. Um, and it has a geeky aspect in that you can tweak the parameters. So you can tweak how large the cache is, the resolution. Oh. Um, there are different modes depending on what you want to do. So if you're doing a presentation, you, you probably are focusing more on quality. Whereas if you're doing video, you probably want more you know, performance and latency. And it lets you tweak those settings as well. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, That's cool. The published retail, I think, is $299. Right now, if you get it from them, I believe it's 100 bucks off. It's $199. And then if you do a pre-order, I think they'll even give you 25% off. So uh, Nice. That's cool, yeah. man. Cool. Uh, I did want to... I, I found the, the press release on this Seagate drive, the, the Seagate Backup Plus. The 4-terabyte drive is new. It's due out. I believe any day now, and it is two thirty nine for the four terabyte uh, capacity. So it's pretty cool, pretty cool. And then I wanted to move. Well, I want to move into Watchland briefly here, John. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was the or is the uh, spec candy shell fit, which it, this was something I thought was stupid. When I first saw it, and this is going to be a theme, not actually, I got a couple other things that don't have to do with the watch, but I, when I first saw it, it it's a bumper for the watch, right? It's a, a, a hard shell, no mistaking it for a spec device, right? I mean, it, it, it has the, the hard shell and then the little kind of rubber face that you would expect from a spec iPhone case or anything like that. It's classic spec look. And it just snaps over your watch. You can put it on while you're wearing your watch. Obviously it comes in both. 42 and 38 and you can get it in a variety of colors i think they have uh blue black red and then a white in the 38 but not in the not in the 42 it looks like and i thought it was stupid but i've wanted to test it out and so i snapped it on it and it leaves space for the crown and has a, a button presser thing for the button and then leaves space for the microphone and the speaker on the other side of the watch and that was a month ago that I snapped it on and thought it was stupid. And I really haven't taken it off since other than to show it to people and how easy it goes on and off. It's awesome. I really love this thing on the watch and it, it especially with the sport watch, it really just kind of, you know, I mean, it, it makes it a little thicker. Yeah, but it totally protects it. And so I love it. I'll put, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's uh, 30 bucks. So snap it right on your Apple watch and you're good to go. So that's that's one thing. And then the other day I got something from Tech Armor called Flexiglass. And again, this is for the Apple Watch. And they they have a couple of things that are built for the watch. But, you know, I'm a big fan of the um, glass, the tempered glass shields for my iPhone and, and my iPad. I've got them on all of them in the house. And uh, and so I popped this on the watch 
and it does exactly what you'd expect it to do. 10 bucks gets you, I believe two of them in a package, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, it, it just, you know, it's glass. It's protective glass for the watch, especially for the sport watch, right? Which is not a Sapphire screen. I've had no trouble tapping on it or using it or anything. The hardest part was putting it on because, um, the watch face is curved and it's the, the spot of the watch face that is flat is, um, is small, right? So you don't have a lot of tolerance on there to place this thing. And if you place it over the edge, well, then it's, you're, you've got a piece of glass over a curved edge, but I was able to pop it right back up. It came with, so I did, I'd put it on wrong, but I was able to pop it back up and it did not ruin the glass. I used, it came with a little piece of tape that you used to uh, pull the dust off of the, the glass side. And so I put it back down and, now it's been on there and that'll probably stay on the watch for, uh, for quite some time. So that's another good thing that, uh, that makes it fun. Two fun things from the company that we like to call tilt T Y L T. The first is their duo cable. And this is, or uh, sorry, it's the flip duo F L Y P duo, I believe, or the sinkable duo cable. This is, I love Tilt's cables these days. They're these flat ribbon style cables and they feel indestructible. Uh, I'm sure if, you know, obviously if you took scissors to them, you could break them, but, but they're, they're way more beefy and, and, and like I said, indestructible than, uh, than the typical cases. And the, the cool part about the syncable duo, well, there's two cool parts. One is it's got a USB connector that, if I'm not mistaken here, I might get, my, I might have myself confused. Uh, it's one of those reversible USB connectors, right? So you can just plug it in either way you want, which is nice. And then the other part is it's got the cable itself is a micro USB uh, on the other end. It's regular USB and then to micro USB, but then it's got built into the cable and attached to the cable of micro USB to lightning adapter. So you can use this on any uh, type of device you want. Great for your travel bag and, uh, and 25 bucks. So, that's that's one thing. And then the other thing from Tilt, which is not brand new, but I love so much, is their what they call their ribbon, R-I-B-B-N. This is a car charger that has their ribbon cable uh, right on it. And man, it is exactly what you want. It's um, it, it because in the car is where things get, you know, banged around or like me, I have a a. Uh, uh, you know, a car, a power adapter, the, the old cigarette lighter adapter style thing inside my center console, which means I always have a cable running out of my center console to plug into my phone. Well, what better cable to have than a flat, really sturdy ribbon cable. And so this thing has now uh, built a staple in my car and, uh, and I love it. And they've got it with, you know, micro USB or lightning, whatever you like. So, uh, so that's, that's that. And uh, while on the subject of the car, John, I, I got these things from TZ. Uh, it's called the Equinox Charger. And T-I-Z-I is the name of it. That one is four. They call it the, uh, the TZ Equinox Turbo Mega, I think is what it's called. It's got four USB ports on this uh, thing. that, that it, you, It's like a little brick. You plug into your cigarette lighter outlet. And now you've got four USB ports, but it's, it's tiny um, and you can charge at full speed. It's outstanding. Really, really good stuff. And, and we've been using that. Um, actually, I put that in the backseat of the car so that the kids can plug in and, and uh, always have place to charge, which, 
I really like. And it's like red and black and looks crazy, which is, you know, fun. In the category, I told you there was something else that when I got it, I thought it was stupid. And then I realized it wasn't. Blue Lounge has this Posto headphone stand. And it's just a stand. You build it. And I mean, you it's assemble it. You don't have to build it. You just piece it together. And it holds your headphones on your desk. And I had this box on the floor next to my desk. And I thought, well, this is stupid. I'm never going to set it up. And for days, I was moving my full-size headphones around my desk, trying to get them out of my way. And then finally realized, hey, wait a minute, dum-dum. Why don't you try that thing? And so I did. I set this thing up and now I have my headphones on this beautiful little stand and they're, they're like up and high and out of the way. So, uh, so it's really not that stupid as it turns out, John. <laughs> In fact, it's pretty good. And uh, hopefully it won't have to leave my desk. So that's what I got going on. Do you have one or two more things for us, John, before we, uh, before we wrap this one up? I think I got one. Okay. More. Okay. Dave, again, something that I tried, and I'm actively using it right now. So it is the phone suit Flex XT pocket charger for iPhone 6, 6 plus 5S, 5C, 5. Okay. (laughs) It works on all of them. Some of the reasons I like this charger versus some of the other things I have. So, so Dave, I got a ton, like as, as probably you do, like we actually got, you know, a handout at the last show we went to a lot of these 1200 milliamp hour, you know, portable battery packs, Crap. which are okay. Yeah. But well, well actually, you know, it's funny. The one that they gave us that we thought was, at least I, I was able to charge that one up again, but they gave it to us dead. It was like, yeah, thanks guys. <laughs> oh, the, the one from master, yeah, but, the one from MasterCard that they gave to us. Yeah, it didn't. Totally I was able to get work. that to work. I couldn't. I couldn't so yours was work. DOA. Oh, mine, was, I, mine, mine I was able to charge a hotel room. Man, it's uh, it didn't make it home. Huh. Yeah, no, I charged mine up, and, and it, so it's so that class of you know a lot of people make them twelve hundred milliamp hours. Sure. You need a lightning cable. Um, they're they're all right. Yeah, um, I got like three of them, but you yeah. know you got to bring your cable and all that, and they charge with micro USB. This device is, uh, I like this device for the following reasons. So number one, this is a 26 milliamp hour battery, which at least for someone like me that has an iPhone 5, that's more than a full charge. The the reason I kind of don't like the 1200 milliamp hour things is that's not a full charge. And I like a full charge. So that's one thing. So one is that it's 2600. Okay. Number two, it has a lightning connector on it. So you don't have to have a cable. Nice. But here's the thing that they did that really made me happy. And I actually was disappointed because I actually did order. There was a special deal online. Somebody had a battery pack that you could get for free and you would just have to pay like five bucks shipping. Sure. And I ordered it and got it online. I think it was X power or something like that. And I get it in the mail and I'm like, oh, this looks great. You know, it's cool. It's got suction cups. You, you put it on and I try to plug it into my phone. And guess what? It doesn't plug in. Because the connector's too stubby. It's too short. Doesn't anybody think about this? To me, uh, if I'm going to design a charging product for an iOS device, at least make sure that it works if someone buys the Apple case. And this one works famously with the Apple case. And then I'm able to plug it in with the Apple leather case, and it works. Nice. Not a lot of people think about that. These guys thought about that. So that's the second thing that's nice about this. So one is the capacity. Two is that it actually plugs in to a phone with a case on it. Uh, though I'm sure there are limits. And then the third thing is that it does a pass-through. So if you plug the micro USB and they give you a micro USB to USB cable, if you plug that into a source, it will 
then charge both the battery and be charging your phone simultaneously. So that's kind of neat too. Nice construction, portable, even comes with a little cap and stuff. So, uh, so right now I'd say that's my favorite, uh, my favorite, uh, portable charging solution. And, and I'm sorry, what, what's the, I, I didn't have a, a link for this ahead of time. What's the, uh, what's the, what's the name of it? Oh yeah. The link, uh, I put it in our thing. So it's a, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in our room. What's the name of it though? Just the, the, the answer. I want uh, is the name. It's the, the phone suit flex pocket charger, I think is the, uh, okay. That's what they call it. And the, uh, the retail, if you buy it from their site is 69.95 though, okay. uh, I looked online and like many things here, the suggested retail price is exactly that. You can probably get it for less. Sure. Sure. That's awesome, man. Very, very awesome. 2,600 milliamps. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Sweet. All right, folks. Well, that time has come. As with all good things, cool stuff found must end. Or at least be put on hiatus. You know, for a little while. If you have cool stuff found, send it in to us at feedback at macgeekgab.com. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is where you should send it. That's feedback at MacGeekGab.com unless you are a premium supporter. Uh, and then you get to email us at premium at MacGeekGab.com. If you want to learn more about premium, please do visit us at MacGeekGab.com and you'll see all the details there. Premium's your way. It was chosen by you. All of you who wanted to support us directly, that's MacGeekGab Premium. And we do have a couple of givebacks. Premium address is of course, one of them. Any of you, though, can call 206-666-GEEK, which, John, is 4335. 4335 sounds right to me. If you want to write to us and tell us how much you love the show or how much you don't love the show, we would actually love for this week to put an effort on iTunes comments. We'd love to see you send in iTunes comments. Uh, these reviews there really help us, um, you know, get attention in iTunes, which brings in more listeners, which is good for you because uh, not only more content, but, you know, obviously it's good to have the listener base growing and that's one way to make it happen. So please, please, if you haven't done an iTunes comment for us, go ahead and do one. We'd really appreciate it. Um, just go into iTunes and we can't reply to those. Of course, well, we sometimes reply on the air. We'll read the, uh, we'll read the new ones. We'll read uh, either all of the new ones or our favorite new ones over the next week. So you got to send them in and then we'll read them on the show. How's that sound? Good. Good. Cashfly. We'd love to thank the folks at Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. They provide all the bandwidth and a uh, big shout out to Michael Johnston. You got to check out his iOS show podcast. He does a great job with that there. And of course, getappler.com. Any comments, John, before we, uh, before we send this one on its way? I guess my only comment is, if you're listening to this, thank you for your support. Yeah, it's well said, my friend. In addition to thanking all of you, our listeners, I want to thank, as we mentioned during the show, TunnelBear at TunnelBear.com slash MGG for a uh, free 500 megs uh, a month VPN. That's fantastic. 
I want to thank the folks at Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash M-G-G. Coupon code M-G-G gets you 50 bucks off right there. And, uh, and that's fantastic, too. You know, I'm thinking, though, as I'm going through this, and I'm going to look here, John, because I felt like Tunnel Bear had a coupon code. No, we didn't. We didn't have a coupon code. No, it's just the tunnelbear.com slash MGG. That's what I thought. Okay. Uh, it's been a crazy show trying to get all the timestamps and everything. So I started, started to question my notes here. Of course, I want to thank the folks, all the folks, but specifically, I want to thank the folks at Gazelle. You can buy stuff from them. You can sell your stuff to them, as we mentioned during the show. Also in the podcast marketplace this month is iMazing at iMazing.com. The successor to Discade. Great utility. you got to check it out from DigiDNA. It's, of course, Smile at smilesoftware.com slash geek. And learn all about text expanded five this week, this month. Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG. Coupon code MGG gets you 10%. Barebones software at barebones.com. Otherworld Computing at maxsales.com. And, of course, Linda at lynda.com slash MGG for 10 free days of their training videos. John, any lasting advice to share with everyone here? Hmm. I don't know, Dave. I guess all I can say now that we're at the end <laughs> is that if you've gotten this far, then uh, just make sure you don't get caught. Made up.